Welcome to the podcast where all your media wishes are granted. You'll have VIP access to thought leaders in business, media, publishing, and more. Let's kick it with Julie Loken and the Media Casters. If you are not sitting down, you need to sit because I have someone so amazing. Her story is so amazing. You're just going to be sitting on the edge of your seat. And I'll let her introduce herself, Valentina Nicolette. She is a PR goddess. She takes hip-hop legends to the next level. I mean, it is for real. And I'm not even exaggerating when I say this, but it is for real. Welcome to the Media Casters. There she is. Hi, Valentina. Hi. Thank you for having (laughs) me on your show today. I'm aspiring to be a PR person. You are. You're doing you've done amazing things. But business that I do is more in talent management and okay. like, you know, activations and tour management, logistics, stuff like that. But I'll take it. You know, thank you so much. But you are. I, you're taking legends and keeping their stories alive, I think. Tell us a little bit about like your background before we sure. dive deep into your amazing story. I have been doing um, my pursuit of my career since I'm about like 13 years old, starting as like a teen night promoter in New York City nightlife. 13. That sounds illegal to me. Um, no, it was teen nights. Uh, there were parties for people my age at the time. And then I evolved and I learned, you know, how to go about the ranks in the promoting game and all that type of stuff. And you no, know, I, I aged into it. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of fun at the, at the time. But, you mm-hmm. know, one thing about where I'm from is Staten Island. We're not like anybody else anywhere. Um, <laughs> that's why it seems to me like, you know, MTV likes to follow us and whatever. Um, but getting back to the point. So I've been doing this since I'm like very young. Mm-hmm. After doing events for so long in my life, um, you know, other people started to come to me to help them with their events. Mm-hmm. Um and one day I was sitting in like um, a meeting with like the owner of a club and he had to go early because the PR people were coming in mm-hmm. to discuss whatever. And I noticed like when PR people were in the room, the owner moved faster and things like that. Mm-hmm. But what I ended up doing was I ended up striking a relationship with certain PR people and understanding the business that I'm in at the time. I had better opportunities to bring better deals to the club, to myself, et cetera, by lending my relationship to certain people with a a significant level level of influence. And that bought me the opportunity to be in their circles. So I used to Mm -hmm. save money on their budget because the the way I would monetize something was completely different than what the club would offer anybody else. Mm -hmm. So I leveraged my relationship. They invited me into bigger circles. Next thing you know, it I'm um, producing a um, birthday party with Shaka Khan. <gasps> Shaka Khan. Her Shaka 60th, Khan. Her 60th Shaka birthday Khan. party. Her 60th birthday party. Forty years in the music industry. It was the 6040 big birthday celebration. Mm-hmm. Um, I helped the one of the main producers for that event, and then I got invited to do one of her concerts with another wow. promoter in New York City. And being in the mix with that, actually, there was somebody from the United Nations team over there. And they invited me to put together a concert that we ended up doing called End Ebola. And it was actually hosted by um, Lisa Vanderpump uh, when she was at the UN. Uh, I was actually one of the main producers of that event. And the people I worked with at that event actually ended up inviting me into their circles 
one of them turned into my mentor, uh, wow. Mr. Jimmy Mitchell, who at the time was just starting to manage Salt and Pepper, and he was already managing Albie Shore. I'll so be sure. I ended. I love that. Working with Jimmy, it just turned into like just being around at the right time. One day I'm on the bus, uh, you know, having somewhat of an argument with Jimmy, and Pep looks over and she's like, "There's something different about this one." And then the next thing you know, it uh, both um, Pep and and Salt had a conversation. And I was um, evolving on the team until like one of their teammates like ended up leaving, and then mm-hmm. I took the position. Oh. Um, so you know that the rest is history. So I, I I mean this is so amazing to have you here because not only have you just helped iconic legends just keep their story alive, you're keeping your story alive, and I think even the small entrepreneurs, creatives, those people that listen to this podcast why do we need to keep our stories alive and what are your best tips in terms of keeping that story alive? Sure. So one thing I want to say is um, I think that when it comes to the people I work with, especially, you know, when people put all the work in for their mm-hmm. whole entire career, it's theirs to own. I don't want to own anything other than the fact that I know how to put on a cheerleaders uniform and help oh, be part that. of the rah-rah, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, getting back to your question is, at the end of the day, it's important to keep narratives alive from the past and mm-hmm. your footprint, especially as an entrepreneur, because people need to know what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. They need to know how they could tap into you. And you need to put yourself in into um, what I always tell people. I always tell people to, to, you know, just jump in traffic, so to speak. Make sure that you're, um, you know. I'm going to quote you on that. Jump yeah, and listen, by the way, I always see the real conversation. I'm like, yo, just play Frogger. You know what I mean? Just, just, and, and just let it work for you. Like, you know, one thing that, um, everybody always gave me feedback early on is that I've always been able to throw something at the wall, whether it's going to stick or not, it's secondary. It's the effort and it's the, the passion at the, Mm -hmm. as I throw it, you know? Mm. Yeah. Some amazing things are going your way and you have a story as well. And this is where I think, you are destined to be you are destined to be the story tale of your life and if we fast rewind you know mm-hmm. what is i don't know what are you you look like 29 I'm 30. 40. you're 40. oh my god looks mm-hmm. gorgeous girl you know seriously if we rewind 25 years mm-hmm. you were a whole different person really seriously i was always the same person oh okay i would I, say yeah. that um for me I was just wearing a mask, right? Mm-hmm. So um, a forgery for decades through peepholes is what mm-hmm. I said. Wait, um, say that again. I like that. Yeah, a forgery for decades through mm-hmm. peepholes. Wow, that's good. Yeah, because I, I, I was signing somebody else's name on everything that belongs to me. Interesting. Still to this day, right? Wow. Um, oh, I've been writing poetry, so so this is the stuff. No, part. I love this. Oh, I want to. I want to um, read your poems. <laughs> we need to put a book together of poems by Valentina. Let's mm-hmm. let's talk. I've been I've been venting my um, coping and I guess mm-hmm. understanding of oneself deeper, mm-hmm. um, and I've been writing and stuff like that. But getting back to my point is like, even when I looked different, I was always mm-hmm. the same person. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't at the time. I couldn't like get over the hurdle in my head about what existing as someone 
who is uh, transgender would mm-hmm. be for me. You know, bearing in mind, you know, I run around with a lot of people from the boys club, right? And, yeah. you know, the music yeah. and, and the macho-ness of the music industry yeah. with hip hop and, you know, all of that. Like, I never really was that person to feel that I would be able to f- fit in. And it was in my head. You know what I mean? Like, it's the, like, for me, like, I'll give you a perfect example. There are people out there that are my biggest supporters that I thought would, wouldn't even answer the phone. Like, mm. literally wouldn't even, like, pick up the call, so to speak. Like, would it be like, nah, yo, you know what? Great knowing you, whatever the case may be. You know, because I was in my head, right? Mm. And then there's people that I really thought would be there on the other side of this. And mm. those are the people that I actually was wrong about, right? So I say all that to say that, you, I feel that I have to give myself the ability to actually give people the opportunity to show me where they stand in things and experience it without fear. But there's a lot of fear for me when it comes to my coming out story and what really held me back. I started transitioning at 39 years old. Oh, that's okay. only one year ago. <laughs> no, not even. I'm only 10 months old, so to speak. Wow. I just, my one year transition anniversary is two months away. In January. Well, I mean, that's so bold. And, you know, we've had conversations, Valentina, about this, and it tears my heart for those people that are in the LGBTQ community and they can't come out, they can't be who they are. And it leads to depression, often suicide. And this is why I see you even having this conversation today being a huge role model for this community that you can do it. It's not easy, but you're doing it. I mean, and you're one gorgeous girl, by the way, let me just say. Thank, thank you. I'm going to take my glasses off. And, <laughs> and her mom is a um, a hair, hairdresser. Is that oh, the right mommy's a hairdresser. She so. <laughs> Obviously, I'm, I'm a little messy today. We like messy. That's what I love, messy. I love I love messy. I love like punk rock mm-hmm. princess. She told me. Yeah. But what I was going to say is that I don't want to be anything but myself Mm -hmm. right i want to exist in spite of when people Mm -hmm. say no you can or whatever no actually that's what it is you know what i mean actually on the topic of existence it's Mm -hmm. my white whale i'm always chasing it i'm never it's like what's a white whale i've never actually heard that saying it's an analogy to you know the very um popular moby dick book oh yeah Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) very popular it's like classic iconic book yeah, exactly yeah yeah, yeah. i'm looking I'm, I'm going in my little thing i'm like not the word i want to use but i i used it anyway but my point is that it's it's going to be my undoing to some extent mm-hmm. right i'm gonna i'm gonna die on the search of what existence means right mm-hmm. and i accept that and i understand that for myself but getting back to my point about the um, inspirational dynamic i'm not here to inspire except that I am, because I think that knowing that I'm doing things for me and living in my authentic, true mm-hmm. self, living, you know, out my ability to, um, without any fear of judgment anymore or anything like that. Wait, I have fear of judgment, you know, I, you don't at all. Like, I, not a, it's not a palpable fear, but I always, not always, I, I skirt upon the idea that what are people thinking and it's none of my business what they're thinking. I think that, you know, we're, we're all human and it's mm-hmm. part of a flawed human existence, right? Mm-hmm. I would also say to you that 
what I say, I, I don't fear being judged. I, you know, I'm talking in the context of my trans identity while we're on the topic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll walk in any room feeling, if wearing anything, feeling as comfortable, whatever. I would say that people who live in their authenticity unapologetically, and I'm as unapologetic as it gets. Oh, um, awesome. You know, it's, it's just part of what comes with the bag, but I don't want to acknowledge it so much that it changes how I show up authentically if that makes sense like I don't believe leaders could be leaders with the right path unless they're not paying attention to anything behind them they're only focused on what's going on in front because mm-hmm. every other other variable that comes up is a distraction mm-hmm. maybe pulling you off from your goal that sits Longest story for a different day. No, but you are who you are and you're living Mm -hmm. who you are and that's it. And that's why I don't actually think it's important to make an issue or talk about it. Talk about how you worked in a very machismo dominated industry. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I'm putting words in your mouth, silently suffering. I'm not sure just because you so wanted and yearned to be who you truly are. That's not a story, but the story is the people that hear it, they might either think differently about it, about themselves yeah. and about others. I did. There was definitely a level of of suffering and silence, right? Mm-hmm. I had to realize that I was making, I was the one keeping myself captive. Like mm-hmm. I was in my own way. Mm-hmm. Like the, the machismo dynamic could exist. Everything that we're talking about contextually mm-hmm. could exist. But for me, and especially because I have to own my own accountability to myself, I'm I'm the gatekeeper of that. Mm. I'm the one that controls what lives inside my head regardless. I'm left to interpret. My interpretations are going to then therein, you know, affect my reaction, mm. responses, et cetera. So once I kind of took a deeper dive into myself, and it was a lot of work. Did you go through therapy or... Yeah, I'm going through therapy. Okay, you have therapy. As as someone who's who's seeking, you know, um, the whole gender affirming care Mm -hmm. and everything going on with my life, um, there is a dynamic of mental health counseling that I do. You know, not only for what's for surgery, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think that's important. You know, you Mm -hmm. have to really, you know, engage your mental health. I also think that when it comes to mental health even though there are correlations with Mm -hmm. mental health and gender and, you know, um, the incongruence of uh, the dynamic of what what you feel in your body versus your gender versus your sex, et cetera. When um, I'm experiencing my own transgender dynamic, I I was never suicidal. Oh my God. You know, I was never suicidal. You had a supportive family though. Your mom. I did have a supportive family Mm -hmm. too. And I think a lot of people just kind of, think things about, you know, people who they don't understand and they just kind of give mm-hmm. generalizations and stuff like that. So I just want to say like, I'm sure I'm not the only one that went through a dynamic of gender um, and the road where um, suicide wasn't the issue, right? Mm-hmm. I can't speak for everybody, mm-hmm. but you know, that that's something that the healthcare system now safeguards so that like I'm given the opportunity to, to get gender affirming care 
which does. I love that gender affirming care. I've never heard that before. I love that though. That's the, the that's the correct term as far as I'm concerned. Wow, I love that. But that does affect my mental, knowing that you know I have that type of support at a level of medical. Mm-hmm. It's no longer like there wasn't always a level of understanding when it came to transgender topics, you know, da da da, and um, it's no longer in any type of psychological diagnosis. Like there's no DSM diagnosis that will that's needed in certain states and things like that. Mm. Um, it's not considered anything um, psychologically off or anything. You know, it's, a, it's left as a medical conversation, not a psychological. So self care, mental mental health behavior, all that has everything to do with my own volition rather mm. than what's forced on us, so to speak, to fit a mold. Do you think society is more accepting? I mean, because if you have just transitioned in the past year and you're highly successful, you're managing a lot of artists and their stories, you know, I don't think a lot of people. Um, I think as time goes, um, society evolves, right? Mm -hmm. Society evolves with technology. So society evolves with seeing how other cultures and other dynamics of, you know, people in marginalized communities Mm -hmm. are existing and sharing their level of of, um, opportunity to give people a look on the other side of the fence, put it Mm -hmm. in, put your foot in the show type of thing. And I think that's gotten better over time. You know, this time around is my first time I was medically transitioning, but I have been Mm -hmm. battling my gender my whole entire life. Like, I came out to my mom when I was 15 saying, mom, I'm transgender. Oh, right? wow. It's so long ago to your, to your point. I came out to my mom when I was 15, but my mom also now looking back at things tells me like I was asking for dresses when I was a much younger child. Oh, interesting. I, and I feel like I, I understood that I was in tune with my, I, this incongruous of my gender uh, within myself, even before I understood like the difference between boys and girls, just from a point of just knowing myself. I've always mm-hmm. known that I was going to land here. I just delayed it. I, you know, I didn't know if I was going to be able to actually have the strength to feed myself the opportunity mm-hmm. to exist the way I am. I just got to a point where there was no other way, mm-hmm. no choices, just no other way. You can't starve. Like I was starving myself from being me. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes the God or the universe or whatever gets it wrong, you know, and it makes me think about our externals and why do they matter? Because what I see before me is a beautiful soul, a beautiful human being that cares, who's really freaking smart, but it's the reality. It's the reality of life. And when we're different, when, you know, if we happen to be blonde, people think you're stupid meaning me, not you, uh, you know, like you just get judged no matter what. And <laughs> that's what we have in common here being blonde. <laughs> I'm unapologetically blonde. I might be like a dirty blonde, but it's, I feel it's you. Blonde. I feel it's you. blonde. I've never been anything else, but you know, and that's like a silly analogy, but mm-hmm. you know, that the fact that Valentina sits here in strength and speaking her story and simultaneously doing what she does best this is why I am not, and we talked about this earlier, I'm not holding you accountable, but I know by just deference to your platform, you are someone that 
is going to affect somebody's life. Someone's going to listen to this, either a parent or someone going through this or a child or a brother or sister and saying, why is this even a problem? Why is this something in my mind? We're all humans. And how can we ever get to that place? It almost seems impossible. I appreciate you saying that and I don't don't take it lightly. But what I want (laughs) to say is that um, I am me, right? Every day I wake up you know, whatever version of me I am, right? And I'm I'm constantly evolving what the definition of me is, especially now that I've aligned, you know, what I've always felt was me with mm-hmm. what you see now, right? Mm-hmm. Um but but I'm gonna land here and say that um I appreciate knowing that my footprint could be seen in the sand or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be. Other people might be able to follow my tracks. But I, I want that also to say that everybody has a different map. Everybody has a different way of going about their life. And um, I'm still looking at my own map. Hmm. Okay. Everybody listening to this, this amazing human being, Valentina Nicolette, I'm going to put everything about her in the show notes. She is changing the face of hip hop. First of all, I mean, like who thought I'd get to talk to Valentina. I'm so excited. Number one, number two, and she's changing the face of the conversation, the conversation, changing the pace of the conversation. And I know she's got a lot of exciting things going on. Like what I'm hitting press about now is like, I'm this, trans chick in new york city doing live talent curation at a gentleman's club okay there you go i mean who does that now so who does that do right that. you you're just open to anything and all sorts. I, I am i am well i gotta tell you that when i was at the hospital because we didn't talk about any of this stuff but like i used to be um a manager in, in neurosciences and, and oh, you do everything and when I was running the speech pathology office, I used to see a lot of people come in, you know, who were just recently surviving a stroke mm-hmm. and their patterns of speech would change or mm-hmm. like they be able to um, articulate themselves the same way anymore. You know, if you know anything about a stroke, it's sun and arsen like that, right? Sometimes it's going to kill you on the, on the spot. Sometimes, you know, you get a chance to actually live it through. And, and because of modern technology in medicine, you could live more than you'll die, right? Mm. So understanding that balance in life, like when is your time to go? Is your time to go? Like, what do you got from it, right? So I used to look at those patients and that that, that actually inspired me um, in one of my earlier transition moments years and years ago before I started doing the music business stuff where I was starting to grab life by the horns differently because I felt like, yo, I got to be me. And I just scared myself away again but um this time around i got covid and i got really sick and um i was in the hospital i was so dehydrated they had to put a, uh, a catheter in me mm-hmm. and i remember um being in the bed so uncomfortable and so sick still not being able to breathe right and whatever because covid i had real covid not the one that before the shot and i was scary because i live alone and blah 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 so I'm in, in the hospital bed and I'm laying down and um, I'm like, knowing what I did in my life, like having toured the world with everybody I toured with and blah, blah, blah. If I died right now, would I have died happy? Mm-hmm. 
And my answer to myself was no. Mm. And I just started to really unpack that. And I started going to doctors and really getting in touch with that fact. Being home so long, um, you know, in the pandemic when you couldn't leave the house, I became an enemy with the person in the mirror until mm. I actually called the truce. Mm. You know what I mean? And um, that worked out. And I got diagnosed officially with gender dysphoria, which, which was the medical term. When I got diagnosed with gender dysphoria, I didn't take the medicine right away. Mm. I started to uh, look into sperm banking. Mm -hmm. So I used that as an excuse to buy a couple more months of being my now dead name so that I could put my head around how I'm going to tell people and give people the opportunity to know mm -hmm. what these things are. What ended up happening with that was I finished and the girl who gave me the glasses and I got into an argument one night. She's like, what are you going to do it? You've got, you've been going to the doctors. I know you got your medicine, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, nah, I'm not ready. I can't do it. Like I'm looking at like the schedule. I'm looking at things coming up. I'm looking at what's, ha what's happening next with artists and all the stuff. It was, it was starting to pop again for me. And then I came home and I broke down in tears and I just was always coming in and seeing all the pills, all the bottles, like just staring at me, waiting for them, for me to take them six months worth of hormones and what have you. And ended up making a post on social media and then just like putting my phone away for an hour. I came back. It was like crazy amount of messages. What's going on? Are you serious? Because I did it like artsy. I had like a little Holly Quinn statue and picture of my hormones and all this stuff. I'm like, yo, I'm going to be going through a transition, blah, blah, blah. And nobody took it serious for us. Everybody thought it was either joking or, oh my God. And then other people came out like, oh, yo, I knew it because like, I was never really um, engaged in more macho conversations. Like I didn't act like, I guess, typical or whatever. Um, so I got a mixed amount of feedback and a lot of it over time has either chipped away at me or empowered me really depends on what day I'm experiencing those moments. Um, and everything's a challenge uh, to explore what I consider graces and what I want from people in the grace I feel I need or want. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. <laughs> I didn't mean to rattle, <laughs> but. No, it's powerful. Yeah, it's you powerful. Me. You got it's me. Powerful. Yeah. Thank you. And. I, I'm honored to know you, Valentina, whether you're, you're a guy, a girl, a frog, a dog, whatever. I'm honored to know you as a human being and you, you inspire me and your gripping story really has me thinking not just about sexuality or being trans. It, it's about how we treat ourselves and how we treat others and then yeah. we that we all have the power to do what we want, but it's so important to have those people around you that understand our journeys and you never yeah. know. So tell us as we are rolling out of here, as we're rolling out of here, what's on the docket and where can we find you girlfriend? All right. I mean, the best place to find me is my Instagram, mm -hmm. um, you know, AKA Italia, um, which by the way, Peppa uh, gave me the name. 
I, I rolled with it and just made it my Instagram name. So that's the best place to reach me. Obviously, I'm on a clubhouse. Like, I'm addicted to this thing. I love you, Valentina. I would love for you to come on again and again and again. And I can't wait for you to write your book and your start your podcast and be and st stand stages and be the amazing woman you are. Guys, you need to check out, of course, my new BFF, Valentina. And I'm so grateful for you. Guys, don't forget to subscribe, rate, review. We love you as much as we love Valentina. So just share it, subscribe, rate, review. You're going to get to meet more people like Valentina and hear more powerful stories like this. So there's only one me. Just there's only one Valentina. You're, yeah, just you're not say. ever going to actually, you're never going to hear a story like this. So, but she's amazing. I'm so honored to be here with her. And until we meet again, let's kick it. Kick it. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Media Casters. You can keep this conversation going and kick it with Karina and Jules in live office hours each week. Visit themediacasters.mn.co to sign up. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe whenever you listen. Let's kick it.